for anyone out there that's a big fantasy football player, this wasn't necessarily the right draft for fantasy. And then wide receivers, you know, Jamar Chase, he's going to be an awesome fantasy asset this year. Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, are, they might be kind of underwhelming because they're not going to you know, necessarily great passers, but they got some you know chances at finding some success. I, I don't know if we should rank these one through five, but I think that we can agree. This first one we're going to be talking about, definitely our favorite draft class in this season. If he's a true third down back, like we're the only going on those passing downs, third downs, obvious passing plays, like those clear obvious passing plays, that's... That's maybe 15 snaps a game. If you're drafting a guy in the first round to play 15 snaps a game, that's just a wasted draft pick. Welcome to the WNP Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mitchelson, and joining me today, as always, my co-host, Chase Groshaw. Chase, how you doing? I'm doing pretty swell. Thank you for asking. I can't really breathe or anything because of allergies, but, you know, that's just kind of part of my life at this point. I'm a little used to it. Yeah, well, you know, some pollen flying around in the air, not a big deal. Um, We did have some heavy rainfall yesterday, and now it's all bright and sunny, so I'm sure that now that everything's blossoming, so are your allergies. Oh, oh yeah, it's bad, especially with, like, the trees we have in our sub, dude. They're really bad. The ones that smell like shit? Mm Mm-hmm, yep. (laughs) Dude, we've got two of those in our front yard, and literally, when I got home... Uh, from my school semester being over last week, the first thing that I did when I opened the door was go, oh man, those smell like shit because they are just <laughs> terrible. They're real. They're really bad. But today on the WNP podcast, we're going to be doing a draft recap kind of reactions. Um, we're not really going to be doing grades per se. We're not going down all 32 draft classes, doing grades, anything like that. If you want that, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there doing that. Um, we don't get paid enough to do that. Uh, we don't get paid at all, but um, so we're not going to be Fair. doing draft grades. Um We might when we talk about the Lions and the Bengals, but primarily what we're going to be doing today, we're going to be looking first, the breaking news that happened the day of the draft, the reigning NFL MVP wants out. We're going to be taking a look at that. We're going to be looking at the top five draft classes in our opinion. Uh, Then we're going to be looking at the worst draft class, one of each. So I'll get a worst draft class. Chase will get a worst draft class. Then we're going to be looking at Biggest Steel, Biggest Reach, Talking Lions and Bengals, and finally wrapping up with fantasy implications. Because for anyone out there that's a big fantasy football player, I know Chase and I both are. We've got two dynasty leagues. This wasn't necessarily the right draft for fantasy. Ugh, we're, we're, we're going to talk about it at, at the end of the show, but <laughs> ugh, yuck. Yeah, for sure. Well, Chase, let's talk about the breaking news that happened Thursday night. Aaron Rodgers, the reigning MVP of the National Football League, wants out of Green Bay. He said that he's basically done. He won't be back in Wisconsin. Obviously, he lives down in California during the summer, so he doesn't want to be back. And news that came out, I don't remember if it was today or yesterday, but when... 
Rodgers came out and praised Jake Kumaro the I think it was last season or the season before, and the front office immediately then released Kumaro. That was a big no-no for Rodgers. That was the final straw, um, and now he's he's just done. So when you said big breaking news on Thursday, I thought you were talking about Tim Tebow working now as a tight end for the Jags. So you know, I was oh, fully prepared for that. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but obviously that, that that was a very weird thing. Um, nothing's going to come of that though. He's not getting a contract anywhere. So is Aaron Rodgers talk? Yeah, I mean, your your franchise quarterback guy who's been your guy for sixteen years. You know, he's been on the team for sixteen years at least. He, he praises a receiver that he, that he likes. You know, he, he likes the work that he's doing. Jake Kumarow, uh, You know, he wasn't like a big impact player, but you know, he he had some usage. And apparently, if Aaron Rodgers liked him, he wanted him to be used more. And maybe he could have done something. But instead, of front office next day just. Says, hey, Kumaro, pack your shit, you're gone. Uh, Aaron Rodgers being happy, lol, that's funny. So, yeah, yeah. they just like pissing off Rodgers for whatever reason. Um, I hope to God he's out of the division. You know, fantasy terms, I I have him, I have Devontae Adams, so, you know, I I want those guys to do incredibly well. But at the end of the day, I'm a Lions fan over a fantasy football fan. I would much rather the NFC North be an easier division and the Lions have a better chance at winning than my fantasy team doing well. So, Aaron Rodgers, please pack your shit and get out. Yeah, and honestly, I'm like you're coming at it where you just want Aaron Rodgers out of the division. See, I I want what's best for Aaron Rodgers, not for Green Bay, because like Green Bay has literally screwed him over so many times last year, drafting trading up to draft Jordan Love in the first round rather than helping him get a receiver. And then this year, letting go of their Pro Bowl center, Corey Lindsley, like they are just trying to ruin Aaron Rodgers. Like, I feel like if you're in the front office and you're confused on why Aaron Rodgers might want out, then you have to be the most ignorant, stupidest, just most idiotic person ever. Yeah, that's that's fair. It really makes no sense how they treated this guy, you know, just refusing to give him the weapons he needs in offense because, I mean, we saw what he did with, like, shit. He had Devontae Adams throw to him. That's great and all. Uh, but really the next best talented player to throw to is Aaron Jones, and you're not throwing Aaron Jones the ball 100 times a year. Like, you, like, you don't really want him doing that. He's good enough to do it. But you don't really want him doing that. You, you want to throw it to a receiver or a tight end. Um, you know, Tony had a good season for fantasy, but like it was because he had so many touchdowns. It wasn't for the touchdowns. You know, it wouldn't have been as noticeable. So in terms of yardage and stuff, it wasn't really anything. So Aaron Rodgers just did what he did last year without any help, and you could see that. Okay, you know, he's had a bounce back season. He's clearly good enough to win. If we give him another piece, you know, maybe we can really make that Super Bowl push this year. But instead, they they go defense. They they. The only time they've gone offense in the last 10 years in the first round is when they took Jordan Love, and that's a freaking quarterback, as you mentioned, so it makes no sense. They just really, really do not want this dude to succeed. I don't get it. I don't either, especially after going back-to-back NFC North championships, um, not making it to the Super Bowl. You would think, all right, let's continue to build around our MVP quarterback. Let's get him some more weapons. Let's make it so that it is easier for him to compete in the NFC Championship and get to the Super Bowl. 
that's not the case because this year they didn't even go a first-round wide receiver. But, Chase, I want to talk about how Rodgers, being the MVP, never in league history has a reigning MVP played for a different team than the one they won the MVP with. There's been two players that have not played with the team they won the MVP with the year before, but that's because they retired. Um, So, If Rodgers does get traded, that would be the first time in history that's ever happened. Let's talk about that. What are possible destinations for Rodgers? So, I mean, it's going to be an AFC team. It's not going to be an NFC team. There's just no chance. The only team that seemed like it could have been NFC was the 49ers. They went and took Trey Lance. They're not trading for Aaron Rodgers anymore. There's just just no point. So, it's going to be an AFC team. You, you and I, we both have a number one favorite. I'm, I'm sure it's, it's the same. You know, like obviously we didn't talk about this beforehand, the show or anything, but it's, it's been brought up as one of the favorite teams to get them, and it's just makes the most sense. And that's the Denver Broncos. I mean, if he goes to the Broncos, they have everything that he needs to win. They immediately become a Super Bowl contender, if not Super Bowl favorite, because they have literally everything else filled out. They just drafted a very talented running back. They have a tremendous receiving room. Their defense is just outstanding, and they add one of the top corners and one of the best defensive players in this draft. That they're ready to roll, but Drew Locke is a bag of horse manure when it comes to throwing the football. He's terrible. So if you find a way to get Aaron Rodgers, uh, you give up whatever the hell future picks you have to, end them up ends up in Denver. Then I mean they're a special team. Yeah, absolutely. And you know we talked about it on draft night how. We were a little confused. Why did the Broncos go Pat Sertain, ninth overall? Why didn't they go quarterback? Because Drew Locke, obviously not the answer. Um, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, both sitting there. I know you and I were bigger fans of Justin Fields and Mac Jones. So why didn't they take Justin Fields? Why did they take Pat Sertain when, you know, their secondary is pretty good? Um, well, I thought to myself, it seems like the Packers want someone opposite of Jair Alexander, someone who can be a real stud. And you even see that by them taking a corner with their first round selection, that being the Packers. So maybe they took Pat Sertain to add him into the deal that would allow Rodgers to come to Denver. However, nothing's come since then. And even the night of when we were talking about that, uh, we heard that the deal is as close to being done as it can be without actually being done. So I thought that would have been awesome. I love the Denver situation. Here's another one. And I think people are kind of more ruling it out because uh, the Patriots selected Mac Jones 15th overall. However, do you think Bill Belichick would pass on the chance of bringing in Aaron Rodgers after seeing Tom Brady go win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to want to say it's impossible. It really just depends what the, what the price is going to be at that point. Uh, Bill Belichick wants to win. He said they're not having another losing season again for last year. He was tired of that shit. He didn't want to be run on the way that he was. So, you know, if if he had a chance to get Aaron Rodgers, then absolutely he would do it. You know, Mac Jones, if he can sit for a year or two, well, whatever, it's not going to hurt his development by any means. Um, it, it, he might be ready to go right now. But I think still Cam Newton even probably starts over him anyway. So if you can get Aaron Rodgers instead, then you got to go for that. Yeah, absolutely. So there are two teams right there. And Chase, I just wanted to throw one out. This is not happening. There's been no rumor of it. I think there's 0% chance this actually happens. But I wanted to bring it up just because it would make the scariest roster, I think, in the NFL. And that would be Aaron Rodgers to the Browns. Yeah, I've... 
I'm not joking. On Twitter today, I I just saw something about that for the first time. Apparently, they're now the fourth favorite team to like get them like based on like Vegas betting odds because you can wow. bet on anything nowadays. Um, just out of nowhere that happened. That was the first time I seen it today, and then you brought it up, and so that that would be incredible if they got Aaron Rodgers. They might go sixteen and zero and or seventeen and zero. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> that that would honestly be the scariest team in the league because mm-hmm. I mean, right now I think most people believe that it's a top three when it comes to talent. And the only thing that might hold them back is coaching with Kevin Stefanski only coming into his second year. He looked really good in his first year. However, you never really know what happens, but also Baker Mayfield, the quarterback situation. So if they were to, if they were able to add the MVP at quarterback, absolutely ass nine would be an absolute powerhouse of a team. But Chase, and, and before we move on, that, that's the MVP, not the MVP, correct? Yes, MVP. Not, yeah. uh, you know, the MVP is about to take the starting job in Buffalo. So that's cap. <laughs> um, but Chase, let's move to our top five draft classes, the official WNP top five draft classes. So what we're going to do here is we're going to alternate. I'll let you go first um, and we'll just praise these teams for doing such a great job drafting. So go ahead, take it away with our, I I don't know if we should rank these one through five, but I think that we can agree this first one we're going to be talking about definitely our favorite draft class in this season. Oh, easily. And that's the Miami Dolphins. I think a lot of people are in this boat too. The only thing that they didn't do, I think that they could have done is maybe invest more capital in a running back. Uh, like, for example, you know, they go Hunter Long in the third round, who I really like as tight end. Uh, but you have Mike Gesicki, so m- maybe you want to go two tight end sets, or maybe you don't trust Gesicki, so you go Hunter Long here. But if you put a running back who is still available on the board there, I think this is just an, a ridiculous type of draft class. But starting at the top, Jalen Waddell, you know, incredible talent at receiver. Uh, I, you know, you maybe you could have said, oh, maybe they should go Devontae Smith, but I, I think Jalen Waddle is going to kind of work here anyway. Um, he's someone who's good downfield. Like, obviously, he's got the speed, but he can work a short field too. So, two is not going to be a field stretcher, but he can do enough and help Jalen Waddle in this little bit history there too. And then the other first round pick, Jalen Phillips, that rusher in Miami. I mean, the, the number one edge rusher in the class, we would both say. Uh, just tre- tremendous. So, I mean, really starting in the first round, it, they did a great job. And then we can keep going through the next rounds, too. But I want to let you, you know, say your piece, too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that really the top four picks is what absolutely nails this draft class. And you yeah. talked about Hunter Lawn. He was their fifth pick. Another great player for him um, and should be exciting to watch. But these top four picks, you mentioned the two in the first round, the two in the second round, Javon Holland and Liam Eichenberg. Javon Holland, a very versatile player, a safety, can also play nickel corner. Liam Eichenberg just continuing to help that offensive line, continuing to build around Tua and honestly when I take a look at these first four picks my least favorite of the bunch is Jalen Waddle. and if you're saying that Jalen Waddle, a top three receiver in a generational wide receiver class is your least favorite pick that's saying something special yeah it it really is just a tremendous class because like well I would agree that Waddle's my least favorite of these four picks but it's still a very good pick and dude Javon Holland coming into this season he was I, I think I legitimately think he was my number one rated defender. Um, he didn't get to play this year because I really thought he was going to take a huge step. So him not being able to play did kind of hurt his stock, even in my eyes and other people's eyes, too. So he falls to the second. But, I mean, it's, it's a great fit and it's tremendous value. And then last name that I want to mention, uh, their seventh round pick, Jared Dokes, their second and seventh round picks. Uh, this, this is a big body running back out of Cincinnati who is a really good receiver, actually. You know, he's like six foot one, six foot two, with 230 pounds, but he catches the ball well. Um 
he's not going to, you know, be getting any sort of crazy workload. Miles Gaskin, you know, his, his job is safe. But Jared Dokes, if, if he needs to go in in spot duties or if they decide to use him, he could actually make a, a decent impact. So keep your eye out. For sure. And this is a team that only got better this offseason. They bring in Will Fuller. They bring in Jalen Waddle, Liam Eichenberg, all to help build around Tua. They already had one of the best defenses in the league last year, thanks to Brian Flores just being an incredible coach, uh, a coach that I know you and I have given praise to multiple times. I've even been on the bandwagon of saying he should win coach of the year in his not only his season last year, but the season before when he only took the team to five and 11, but it was the worst looking team I've ever seen. Um, So he continues to build that defense as well with Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland. So an absolutely phenomenal offseason overall by this this Dolphins team um, and a great draft as well. But Chase, we move into another draft that we absolutely adored, and this comes with another bright, young, talented head coach, and that's the Carolina Panthers with Matt Rule. This is a, dr- a great draft class. Um Headlined by the name J.C. Horn, corner out of South Carolina. You got another great name in Terrace Marshall Jr. in the second round. Brady Christensen, a good offensive tackle. Tommy Tremble, uh, my number four tight end. And I think you even moved him up to your number four tight end eventually. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, you know, a guy who put up over 2,000 total yards two seasons ago in college football. Davion Nixon, a guy with a huge ceiling, just Endless amount of very talented picks from this Panthers class. Uh, One that I'm not seeing get as much love as teams like the Dolphins, but one I think definitely needs to be mentioned. Yeah, I I mean, I clearly agree here. We, you know, we talked about this. JC Horn, maybe a bit of a reach. Uh, Should he have been the first defensive back going? No, I I will safely say that, but it really doesn't matter because he's still talented enough to warrant this kind of draft capital, and he's going to work really well in this Panther system. So, it's really not a problem at all. And Terrace Marshall, this dude, I think is in like the exact same situation that T Higgins was last year. You know, he's going into this receiving core. Oh, there's two guys that are already established ahead of him, but the talent just shows that, you know, he's good enough to be an NFL receiver right away. And I think Terrace Marshall is going to command a lot more targets than people expect. Sure. You got DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, but I got a good feeling that DJ Moore is going to move to the slot. Robbie Anderson is going to be on the left side, stretching the field. Terrence Marshall is going to be on the right side and not stretching the field as far, but still stretching it a bit. Maybe still get some slot work too and put DJ Moore back on the outside. But Terrence Marshall is going to get a lot of targets. So he's going to be someone to keep an eye on for fantasy. And then going forward, you know, with the rest of their picks, Brady Christensen in the third round is awesome value. Tommy Tremble is, you know, he's kind of do it all tight end. It's going to work well for what the Panthers are looking for. And as you mentioned with Chuba Hubbard, I mean, if, if Christian McCaffrey goes down or he needs a break, this is one running back who really has potential to to do some damage when he gets put in obviously an underwhelming season but he's got incredible speed if he hits the hole he's gone um this is probably just like the best situation he could be in honestly for him personally i i think that maybe the only complaint i would have with this draft class is not addressing offensive line a little bit earlier because the left side of their line is a little bit weaker um, obviously on the right side, you got Taylor Moten, who they franchise tagged, which was awesome. But the left tackle situation, a little bit up in the air. So if Brady Christensen can hop in, I don't know if he's going to be a day one starter. Um, but if he can prove himself in camp and perform well enough to get the starting job, then, hey, this could be a home run draft. And this is another team that not only did they do well in the draft, but they did well in the offseason as a whole. They brought in Sam Darnold. 
a kid that I know you and I have a lot of faith in. We think that Sam Darnold with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall, Christian McCaffrey, and most importantly, offensive coordinator Joe Brady is going to do way, way, way better than what he did in New York when he had butthole eyes Adam Gase. Oh, 100%, dude. It, it, it's really got some potential to do some damage and take you know these big steps. He's still younger than Joe Burrow, so like he, he's not an old quarterback, even though he's been in the league for a while. He's already gone through some some stuff, you know, some real, some really tough stuff, and that might be a good thing for him because if he is really, you know, this mentally tough dude and a good quarterback, he's going to bounce back from him and have a tremendous year. Are you taking shots at my quarterback? No, I love Joe Burrow. It's just, Are you it's calling just a him fact. a grandpa right now? You want, yeah, fine. You know, Bengals <laughs> suck. All right, Chase. Well, let's move on to our next draft class. And, you know, it, it's hard to put the team with the first overall pick in a top five draft class list, but... Even when we took out quarterback situations, we couldn't not mention the Jags. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a great draft class. Um, th- this is my second favorite NFL team. Uh, so, for, you know, starting off Trevor Lawrence, you're getting this borderline generational quarterback talent. You know, that, that's that's awesome. I, I think he's just tremendous. So I look forward, you know, to seeing him, what, what he can do in Jacksonville. Going down to their second first round pick, Travis Etienne. Uh, this is really my only pick I did not like of theirs. He's still a talented dude. Don't get me wrong. But there's other options you could have gone. Like you really needed to address the defense. It, it, it was rough. The offense is you know in really good shape. James Robinson had a breakout rookie season, being an undrafted player. Uh, you could have gone some defensive talent there, and it would have been a better situation. Uh, regardless, top of the second round, Tyson Campbell, cornerback out of Georgia. You know it, it's a solid pick. It, it's a guy who, he, if he reaches the ceiling, he could be a pretty good corner. So we'll see what he can do. Walker Little in the second. Some people thought this was a reach. Uh, it, it very well could be because he hasn't played like any football in what like three years now. But there was a point where he was just the number one rated offensive lineman in this draft class, you know, a couple seasons ago. So it's really not a bad pick at all. If he stays healthy, he should be a tremendous NFL starter for a lot of years. Andre Cisco, dude, you really like playing safety in the third round. Great value. And then Jay Tufalia, defensive tackle that I really love in the fourth round. That was a great way to start their day three. And to kind of round it out, you know, their last three picks, Jordan Smith, Luke Farrell, Jalen Camp. These are all guys that, you know, have chances to hit. Uh, they, They can kind of, you know, sit back and relax they don't have to necessarily be like impact guys day one right away but they're guys that have upside yeah i mean you mentioned it the upside that is what this class screams to me i mean lawrence and tian you you know about both of them they've both been in the spotlight for quite some time uh tyson campbell incredibly athletic corner uh i think he just needs a little bit more work a little bit more refinement when it comes to his actual coverage skills uh, Chase mentioned Walker Little, how he hasn't played for a little bit. In 2019, he got injured in their very first game. 2020, he opted out. But prior to that, a five-star who just looked tremendous, looked like he could be a first-round talent. This guy, who knows? Maybe he's a top-three tackle in this draft class, depending on his health. And then you mentioned Cisco Chase. This is a guy that... Oh my gosh. Uh, we, we talked about it in the safety coverage that we did. We talked about how Cisco, he's very inconsistent and has some plays where it looks like he should be an undrafted player. However, there's also plays that he makes that make him look like a top five defensive player in the draft, let alone the number one safety in the draft. So if this guy can put it all together... This could be just an absolutely dirty draft for them. And Chase, I do want to bring up, you said that Travis Etienne was the only pick that you you really weren't that big of a fan of. 
I think we should expand on that a little bit more. Is that maybe because, uh, I don't know, you're an owner of James Robinson and in the same league you own James Robinson, you also own the second, third, and fourth overall pick in which you were hoping to get ETN in a better situation? Well, I mean, it's obviously part of it, but like really at the end of the day, what Urban Meyer said is what really made it a horrible pick for me. At first, you know, it's like this is really frustrating. It sucks for, for James Robinson, a guy that I love. You know, it was an awesome story. But Travis Etienne is a talented running back. He can come in and get some touches. And then he says, oh, Etienne's going to be our third down back. We're going to use all three of these guys. If he's a true third down back, like we're the only going on those passing downs, third downs, obvious passing plays, like those clear, obvious passing plays, that's that's maybe 15 snaps a game. If you're drafting a guy in the first round to play 15 snaps a game, that's just a wasted draft pick. So I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think there's at some point, whether it be week one or later on in the season, Etienne will kind of become the guy. Um, so if that happens, then whatever, it's fine. But if it doesn't happen and it really is what everybody said, it's just horrible value. I think that it's a slam dunk that ETN is the surefire starter. I don't know, six games into the season. Uh, I think he's just more talented. I mean, I like James Robinson a lot. He had a great year last year, but just let alone the speed that like the speed difference. James Robinson isn't a guy who's going to run away from people. Travis Etienne, definitely that type of player. So I'm excited to see what happens there and reuniting him with Trevor Lawrence. That brings a little bit more comfortability to Lawrence himself. And, you know, you want to add that comfortability to a young quarterback that you're trying to build your franchise around. And just last thing I want to say about Etienne before I move on, it's I really firmly believe that he would have been available with that uh, first pick in the second round. The only team that I think may have taken him after would have been the Bills. And it sounded like the Bills were very in on Gregory Rousseau anyway, so they probably wouldn't have taken him. They said the running back was never on their draft board. So ETN very well should have been available with that second pick, the first pick in the second round, I should say. So at that point, too, you know, it's a little underwhelming the value. Yeah, he could have been for sure. But Chase, we'll move on to another draft class here. Let's take a look at the Denver Broncos. This is a class that I absolutely love, not only for their first three picks, but for their second fifth round pick, my number two overall safety, Jamar Johnson, goes to the Broncos. And this is a draft where they just continue to bolster the spots where they're already good at. I think the only downfall for this draft class whatsoever, and I think it's reasonable to not have them as a top five or even a top 10 draft class because of this, is they passed on Justin Fields at number nine. Yeah, and that that's the biggest thing. Like, teams are, or not teams, but like media, they're putting them outside the top five because of that reason, which I totally understand. But at the same time, Patrick Sertain is, uh, he's going to be a guy who's going to have a lot of success in the NFL. It's a guarantee. You know, Javante Williams is a ridiculously talented running back. He should take over that main job pretty much from day one. I mean, I think he's already probably better than Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon was slowing down and is already on expiring contract. So it's really not that far fetched. Quinn Miners is going to come in immediately, start in the interior. And then what I think honestly could be the best value in this whole draft, you didn't even mention is Baron Browning, you know, in the compensatory picks in the third round, this dude is a talented linebacker out of Ohio State. He's someone I had ranked closer to the higher of the second round than to the bottom of third round or day three. So I think they got tremendous value here. He very well comes could come in and start day one or at least be a rotational type of guy. But he, he's got a tremendous upside. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I still like Jamar Johnson, too. I think he's solid. And even Caden Stearns isn't a bad pick either, doubling up on safety there. And then the last dude that I do want to mention, Seth Williams. 
he should not have gone as low as he did. He should Absolutely have been not. like at worst a fourth round pick, I would say. And you can get him at the very end of the sixth round. It just adds another weapon to that team. So they've really got everything but quarterback. Yeah, I thought Seth Williams, incredibly talented. I just wanted to hit on Quinn Miners again. This dude is amazing. I I love watching his, um, I guess it was his tape, but it was really him just working out his in the summer. Videos. Yeah, <laughs> just in the forest, just blocking trees. Like, yeah, absolutely love to see it. And this is a guy that I was hoping and praying that the Bengals could get wasn't the case, but an excellent pick. I, I think that the Broncos really, outside of the Justin Fields situation, hit it out of the park. 100%. All right, Chase, final draft class in our top five. Um, this isn't one that I see getting a lot of love, but I like it because of the depth of it, and that's the New York Jets. Yeah, dude. I mean, starting off with Zach Wilson, number two overall. Maybe there was better guys that could have gone. You know, he was my fourth-ranked running back. I would have taken both Justin Fields and Trey Lance over him. But I still think Zach Wilson has, you know, all the potential in the world to be a very good NFL quarterback. So good on the Jets. They're getting their guy. Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, you trade up to get him. Tremendous. I, he He's my number three-ranked offensive lineman, but I also think he is probably – the next like most ready to go guy, maybe even maybe even most ready in general, even above Penny Sewell. But, you know, Penny Sewell might be just above him. Uh, so tremendous value. Elijah Moore, um, may, you know, maybe I wouldn't take him there, but he, he's got a lot of hype, you know, a lot of love. So it, it is what it is. Michael Carter could come in and immediately take starting, you know, running back duties in the fourth round. And then my favorite like late round pick, um, you know, Hamson Nasrudil, Nasirudin, geez, such a freaking brutal name to say. I think in the sixth round, that's just a really nice value. Someone who could come in, he really might start day one. I agree. And the thing that I loved about this draft class is the approach that the Jets took. After failing Sam Darnold, they said, we're not going to do it again. We're going to make sure Zach Wilson succeeds. So they bring in AVT, like you talked about, to put him at guard. You got a great offensive line core coming together with Mackay Becton and Vera Tucker. You bring in another wide receiver on top of Denzel Mims, who you took in the second last year uh, to really bolster that wide receiver core. And then bringing in a running back, Michael Carter, who was my fourth running back and a running back that could see some real success, not only in the league because of the situation he got put in, but also in fantasy leagues. So I'm super excited for this draft class. And I love that Robert Sala and GM, I think it's Joe Douglas. They took a step back. They go, okay, Sam Donald didn't work out. We're shipping him out. We're bringing in Zach Wilson. We need to make sure that he has all the pieces around him so that he succeeds and we don't have another Darnold situation. Yeah, and I mean, it really is the case because they, they, they really have done a nice job of it. And I really think this dude's got a lot of potential uh, to, to go on and do some good things in the NFL. This draft is, is a good starting spot. The offseason was also, you know, just a good complimentary piece. So going forward, we'll see what they do this year. I don't think they're necessarily going to be like a very good team this year. Uh, they, they could, you know, very easily win more games than they did last year. I think they should. I think that shouldn't be too hard for them. Uh, it's only two wins, right? So they, they should have more than two wins. Um, it really depends what they, what happens in the next draft, really, in the next offseason, where the Jets kind of go. And you know what stinks is this is another team that just really got better during the offseason. I mentioned it a couple of times, but they brought in guys like Carl Lawson, guys who are going to have an impact immediately for this Jets team. They have a really good draft. This is a team that 
could vie for not a playoff spot. I won't say that. This is a team that could be a very competitive team. However, they're in the AFC East. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a t- it's a tougher like division, especially with you know the Bills, the the Dolphins are teams that should be pretty safe bats to fight for playoff spots, and even the Patriots too. They said they're not going to just go out and die, so the Jets are kind of last you know ones there. But who knows? They could surprise. They're certainly not going to be out in any games. They're always going to be fighting. They're always going to have a chance to win. And just see how many that they actually win. For sure. Well, Chase, let's move from the good to the bad. Uh, we'll start with your worst draft class in this. Uh, 2021 year. So uh, it's a team that went quarterback with their first pick, even though they have a franchise quarterback still on the roster. Yeah. And I get why they did it. The Houston Texans, they took Davis Mills with their first pick in the third round. I understand why you want to go quarterback because let's face it. Deshaun Watson's probably not playing this year. The way things are going is his career done. I don't want to say it's impossible. We, we hope not. We know we, we hope that everything gets resolved and hopefully these things aren't true and that everyone's okay, but if they very well, you know, might be true and he might just be done as an NFL player. So you got to kind of hedge your bets here, I guess um, you go Davis Mills, who I don't think is a draftable worthy quarterback, to be honest, if maybe if you want to take him in the sixth, seventh round, Sure, but third round, like no, I'm pretty sure Kellen Mond was still on the board. For example, if, maybe he wasn't. He was, he was. okay. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I, I think I think Kellen Mond was actually 66. Or, yeah, maybe he was the the pick right before this. Actually, yeah, yeah I think so. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. So, all right, so I'll, I'll take the bag. If Kellen Mond was there and they went Davis Mills, I would say this is the worst draft I've ever seen. To be honest, but uh, Davis Mills is still not a good pick there. I like Nico Collins. I like Brevin Jordan, but tight end one of your team is just so lacking is just not not a pick you make uh and nico collins is a guy that you're going to kind of hope he just kind of develops and becomes this, this type of risky where you expect him to but he's not going to be that guy right away so they really didn't get anything to help them at all this year and they're going to be a bad team so it's just it just is bad yeah and even if the deshaun watson stuff um whatever happens let's say deshaun watson is able to continue playing football though I still don't think Deshaun Watson's going to be playing for the Texans. So I understand going out to get the quarterback. But from right now, from my point of view, it really looks like they're fielding already a terrible team. So let's bring in a bunch of rookies to try to fix it. That's not how that works, especially if they're third round quarter, a third round quarterback, a third round wide receiver, a fifth round tight end. Like that's not going to be the that's not going to be the pieces that just turn your franchise around. So uh, a really tough draft class from them. Um, Chase, if you don't have anything else to say about them, I'll move on to the New Orleans Saints. So the Saints are my worst draft class. And I think that the main reason I put the Saints here is, well, I I really don't like any other picks aside from Adebo uh, in the third round. But first round picks need to hit. First round picks are crucial to your success. And they went Peyton Turner, the edge out of Houston. Now, I don't think that this is terrible. But when players like Odafe Owe are still on the board, players like Gregory Russo are still on the board, Aziz Ojalari is still on the board, why are you going down to like the seventh, eighth ranked edge? 
uh, like consensus on most people's boards, that seventh, eighth, maybe even down a 10th ranked edge when you still have guys who are just tremendous value before that. Like I don't get the Peyton Turner pick. Um, Pete Werner, he, he could be decent. Ian Book, this is a backup. Like why draft a backup quarterback in the fourth round? I don't get it. Um, the only pick that I really see as being a good one is the Adebo pick. I, I love the Paulson Adebo pick, dude. I, I, that's a really nice value for me. That's where, I, you know, I think he was going to be going kind of that range, but I thought he should have gone higher than that. So that pick is tremendous, but Peyton Turner, bad. Pete Werner, I would not take him in the second round. Ian Buck, I, not even a draftable, not even a seventh round pick flyer for me, honestly. And then the other two, Landon Young, Kwan Baker, I know nothing about, but adding a wide receiver in the seventh round is not going to help that brutal receiving core behind, you know, Michael Thomas. It's Trey Quan Smith and, We've been waiting on that breakout for like nine years now, and that's not happening. So the Saints, they, they really did nothing, I think, that's going to help them at all. Maybe Adebo can come in and help right away. But at the same time, you know, maybe he isn't able, able to be a day-one type dude. So th- this just was not good for the Saints. And then honorable mention, the Packers. I mean, we talked about how they went corner in the first round. Uh, most people think they went the second best corner from Georgia, which is, that's not good because Tyson Campbell, we talked about before he went day two, you know, he he's okay. He's got stuff to work on, but to get his lesser and Eric Stokes, that's tough. Um, the only pick that chase you and I really like, uh, Amari Rogers, but I, I think I'd also say Kylan Hill in the seventh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the seventh round and Kylan Hill's got some talent, so it's fine, but he's going to be the third running back there and not get much usage. So it's not like he's going to be able to do anything there. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's going to do it for our top five draft classes and our worst draft class. But Chase, we're now going to move on to some individual stuff. We want to look at biggest steal and biggest reach. You got one player each. Let's start with your biggest steal. My biggest steal is a player that I had going first round, but I ended up falling to the second round. And that is Samuel Cosme, offensive tackle to the Washington football team. Ends up being the 19th pick in the second round. I thought he should have been in like a slam dunk pick in the first round. When I did mock drafts, you know, I had a pretty good amount, pretty good amount of offensive linemen going first round. And I constantly had Samuel Cosme going to the Steelers. You know, once I heard them or heard the rumor that it's pretty much going to be guaranteed Najee Harris, I started going that way. But, but before that, you know, Cosme made a lot of sense. You know, he's, he's a very talented offensive tackle, incredible athleticism. You can use him on kind of trick players, special packages if you want to, because he's got that athleticism and he's just a really good blocking, you know, offensive lineman. But you get him in the second round for Washington. He's ready to start right away. He can play left or right side, whatever you need him to do. And I think he's going to be like an immediate impact, not just a starter, but like an immediate impact type player. Cosme is a guy that I was looking at in the second round for the Bengals. And we'll talk about that here in a sec when we get to the Bengals. But uh, yeah, Cosme, a great player. And surprisingly, my steal of the draft is the same team. And that's going to be Deami Brown in the third. (laughs) And... Now, I, I get where some people would say, ah, you know, Dami Brown, he was late second, early third round type of player. I didn't see him in that same light. I I had him as my, I think he was my number six or my number five overall wide receiver. Um, he was number six because I had Bateman four, Tony five, and then Dami Brown six. This is a kid that I absolutely love. And I think playing him with Curtis Samuel and with Terry McLaurin is just 
a phenomenal wide receiver core. I like Dami Brown a lot. He can play the slot, but he's also a guy who can stretch the field. This is a guy that I absolutely love. And to get him with the 19th pick in the third round, I think is just incredible. I think he should have gone a whole 32 picks before that. Yeah, he's definitely got some talent. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to assume that Curtis Samuel is going to be kicked into the slot like a full-time type guy and using special packages maybe. And then you got Danny Brown who can play on the outside and kind of develop into that kind of role. It, it's definitely a nice pick, nice value. Uh, it's someone that whoever the future quarterback is going to be in Washington, I assume they address it next offseason. Uh, I think he's going to really love that receiving group because it's got a lot of talent. And even if, you know, John Bates, fourth-round tight end on Boise State, he's a guy who – if he hits, he could be like a, a legit tight end threat in this league. So if he hits, they immediately have a ridiculous offense combined with one of the best defenses in the league. For sure. And there's some other steals out there like Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa going, I think it was 53. That's an incredible steal. Aziz Ojolari dropping into the second. Christian Darisaw dropping into the 20s. There's a lot of other guys that we could have mentioned, but I like that we went the route of the uh, uncommon because, you know, you hear that all the time. You know that Joker was a steal. You know that Aziz was a steal. So going uh, with two guys from Washington, too. uh, Absolutely love it. But, Chase, let's get into our biggest reach of the draft. And I'm a little scared because I think we have the same guy. So go ahead. You can go first, and uh, I'll have my backup ready. All right. So my biggest steal of the draft was an offensive player. A wide receiver, same who might have went to the LA Rams. Yeah, Is that same oh, for you. Wait, I'm waiting. Yeah, yeah it is Tutu yeah. Atwell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Tutu Atwell. I mean, this dude's he was waiting at like or like measuring five eight, one hundred forty eight pounds. You're spending a second round pick on a literal six rater. Uh, it makes no sense to me. Uh, literally three picks later, I think, or two picks later, maybe even Terrace Marshall went off the board. Terrace Marshall is still there. How do you not go Terrace Marshall, who I think is a better athlete than Tutu Atwell anyway, and is obviously a lot bigger, a lot stronger, a lot more built and a lot more ready for the NFL. Blows my mind. You know, poor Matthew Stafford. He gets out of the Lions hellhole and he goes to the Rams and the Rams have this kind of draft. You know, I did not like this draft at all. I don't mind like the Ernest Jones pick, for example, but like the rest of it, I mean, maybe Jake Funk is a rotational running back you can use. Maybe Robert Rochelle develops into an okay cornerback. Maybe Jacob Harris can be an okay white wide receiver tight end flex. But like there's maybe one or two guys that have even a slight chance of impact in this draft. Yeah, Tutu Atwell was mine as well. Um, This just feels like another one of those Jalen Rager type picks, a guy who just... Why? Just because he has speed, yeah. that's the only reason. Um, I'm sure that he'll probably be able to help in the special teams form of, uh, you know, kick returns, punt returns in the beginning of his career if they trust him in that. Um, but, yeah, I'm just I, I'm not a big fan of the pick. So I got to go a different route here. And, you know, I'm I'm kind of between three, uh, two names we talked about before, Peyton Turner and Eric Stokes. Um, there's a guy that went in the first round that I personally am just not a big fan of. He wasn't even in my top eight edges. I know a lot of people are higher on him than I am. And that's Joe Tryon. I felt like that was a bit of a reach. Um, but I think I'm going to stick with Green Bay's Eric Stokes. I mean, he was not a, not even a top 10 corner in this draft. 
and he went in the first round. So uh, that's tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm agree with that. I did not like the Eric Stokes pick at all. I don't mind the Joe Tryon pick. Uh, you know, I'm higher on him than you are, of course. And to get him like at the very last pick on a team that has zero needs, obviously they, they see that, okay, he's got some things we can work with. So they're kind of looking at it as a guy, maybe he can play right away, but you know, you can really develop him because they don't need anybody in this draft to play right away the Bucks. So they, they really didn't matter who they want. They just got to go with their guys and guys they think that can have elite ceilings. So they think that a try on. So I really don't have any issue with the pick. I think you could also go Elijah Moore and that's not a okay. national consensus, obviously. Because a lot of people really fell in love with Elijah Moore uh, two weeks leading up to the draft. Um, we didn't see it here on the on the WNP show, but, uh, you know, that's another guy going the second pick in the second round. That's pretty high for a guy that is, uh, again, one of those just, just speedster guys. So um, that's... Those are our biggest deals, biggest reaches. But, Chase, we'll now get into the fun of it. The Lions and the Bengals, um, these are draft classes that I I personally would put a little bit more middling. Uh, I think both of them, in both cases, there were a pretty good overall draft. However, there was one or two picks where it was like, why would you go them over so many other people? So let's start with the Lions. Give me your thoughts as a Lions fan. How'd you like your draft? Well, if I had to give it like a grade, I would call it like a B plus because it, I mean, it, it's great. You're getting Penny Sewell, who is just a tremendous talent. Levi owns a I like, and I think it's a good value there. Ali McNeil, you know, going back to back defensive tackles is kind of unnecessary, but he's someone you can maybe use as a different type of D tackle. So we'll see. If eight two million Fanu in the third round, I mean, just awesome, awesome, awesome value. It's probably their best value of the draft. And then Amon Ross St. Brown with their next pick in the fourth round too, great. And then you finish up with Derek Barnes following immediately after Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, they went seven and eight in the fourth round, and then Jamar Jefferson at the end. That's just kind of a whatever, you know. That was just their best guy left. Uh, I don't expect him to really make any of an impact, but these other guys, I mean, they all could very easily make year one impacts. So uh, I'm happy about it. This isn't going to be a very good Lions team. I just want to see, you know, the young guys get their opportunities and kind of have some success and really try to build on it going forward. So I'm very happy with what they did. I mean, you could tell how happy that the coaching staff and the scouting and management staff was that they got their guys. And when you see them that excited, it's hard not to be excited, too. I absolutely love the Penny Sewell and Ifeitu Melanfonwu drafts. Um, those two, I think, have immense ceiling. So very excited that the Lions got them. Uh, Levi Anzarike, I talked about how he was my number one D tackle. Um, that still was the case leading up to the draft. However, when there were other players out there that I, I just liked better, like a uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, like a um, Asante Samuel, there was just players out there that I felt were better when it came to just pure talent. So that one hurt me a little bit. And then the Aline McNeil pick, I another pick where I'm like, okay, if you're going to go back to back D tackles, why wouldn't you go with the guys who just have a crazy ceiling like Milton Williams, who went the pick right after this. So um, those are the two picks that I have a problem with. And the Levi Anzarike problem is only because of the talent around him as a player. I like him now that the draft's over. I think you can embrace him. I think it's a good pick. Um, but Ali McNeil, uh, again, like you said it yourself, Chase, that going back to back D tackles seems a little unnecessary. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is. So if they can find, like, they're going to be using, you know, four three even fronts. So these two guys should should have a very good chance to see in the field. Obviously, we've got Michael Brockers, too. So I would imagine Levi's, like, the main guy, and Aleem gets used in there, too. If they can use him in a more creative way, then that's great. But it would just be a shame to kind of see him not use it all after being a third-round pick, you know? And, Chase, I wish that there was a grade between B-plus and A-minus because I think that, I think it was a really good overall draft, especially the value you got with the Fatu Melon Fond. When we talked about how much we love him, uh, and if the 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 Detroit coaching staff can really just improve his overall game, the technical abilities, he could be a slam dunk pick. So I I feel like it's a better grade than a B plus, but when you have any type of A, even if it's an A minus, it looks like it's one of the best classes in the in the league. So uh, I wish there was a grade between that because that's where I'd put it. But let's move on to the Bengals now. Um, oh, boy, my Bengals. What am I going to do with them? Uh, I will say right off the bat, Jamar Chase, love the pick. I was team Chase leading into the draft. Uh, Joseph Osai, Cameron Sample, Deontay Smith, love all of those picks right there as well. Um, But to reach on Jackson Carmen, and I thought it was a reach, uh, we had uh, Tevin Jenkins available for us, but we decided to trade down. Uh, We got Jackson Carmen. Zach Taylor came out and said it was going to be Jackson Carmen no matter what even at 38. So uh, I was really pulling for Tevin Jenkins. That wasn't the case. But then also going kicker in the fifth round. um, This is a team that needs a kicker, needs sustainability at that position. We lost Randy Bullock this offseason, and it's not like he was the perfect kicker or anything. Uh, We've kind of struggled with our kicking situation for quite some time. So I get addressing the position, but to do it at the top of the fifth round, I feel like was a little unnecessary. So I think overall, I'd probably give the Bengals class like a B, maybe a B minus. Uh, I think the upside that you have with Chase, Asai, Sample, and Deontay Smith is incredible. And I'm so excited for all four of those players. I'm much more happy with Carmen now, but I still go back to there was probably three or four guys I would have taken over him. Just in his position, I will say. See, I, I give it a B plus because I think Jamar Chase, he, he's going to be a very good receiver in the NFL. So n- nothing to worry about there. Uh, move on. Everyone knows that. But Jackson Carmen, I briefly mentioned him on our, on our offensive lineman show, um, you know, as a guy that I really like kind of, you know, as a sleeper, someone who I think has some real NFL talent. And I, I think the Bengals got a very good player here. It, it You might think it's too high and maybe you could have got him in the third round because he's a guy that I kind of consistently had the Lions grabbing in the third round without them getting Penny Sewell. But you get him in the second round instead. Uh, you know, you get some extra draft capital with it too, so it's not the end of the world. I, I think it's a good pick. I, I definitely don't think it's bad at all. And I think Osai in the third is awesome. Um, he's going to be a much bigger impact player than Cameron Sample. Cam Sample is still fine too, um, but it, well, whatever. Regardless, uh, kicker in the fifth round, I'm not a fan of drafting kicker, but this dude, if you're going to draft one, I guess it's him. You know, just seeing some of the stuff he did, like in little like highlights, you know, hitting that water bottle that was on that ledge, that was, that was kind of cool. And then the Trey Hill and Chris Evans picks are two picks that I actually do like later in the draft. Trey Hill is, you know, he's center and interior offensive lineman type guy. He's probably not going to play for you right away, but he's if you need him to play, I think he can go in and do a at least adequate, if not above adequate job. 
And Chris Evans is just this dude who has a great athletic build, and he is an incredible athlete in general, too. Uh, just never really got to play in Michigan because he kept getting in trouble off the field, mostly with academics and stuff. So if, if he can, you know, go to the NFL where he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to go to, you know, I don't know what the old quote was, but we didn't come to play school. We came to play football. You know, he doesn't have to play school anymore. He can just play football and do his thing. He can find some success. For sure. And um, I I like the Jackson Carmen pick more now than I did at first. And I'm even seeing some people say that as a guard, he could be the second or third best guard in this draft class, which is pretty exciting because that's where we're gonna be where we're going to be playing him year one. But uh, I am coming around to it a little bit. But Chase, let's move off of this here. We're on 52 minutes. Um, let's get into the final little piece of this episode, and that's fantasy implications. Obviously, you and I huge into fantasy. I feel like a lot of our listeners, big fantasy players as well. How does this draft affect fantasy? Let's take the quarterbacks out of the situation here. Let's take a look at the skill players, the tight ends, the wide receivers, the running backs. How many players out there are really going to be fantasy impacts this season? Yeah, that's a good question. So if we're if we're factoring out, you know, the quarterbacks, obviously you mentioned I'll start with tight ends. I think there's one tight end who's an immediate contributor. Obviously, it's Kyle Pitts. Pat Firemuth, you know, he could be a dude who has some success, but I don't think he's going to be like a, a guy right away. I think he's going to kind of need to find his role a little bit. You move the running back group. You got Najee Harris. He's in fantasy. He's going to be an RB1 healthy. I guarantee I will bet any amount of money. He's an RB1 healthy. So uh, that's obviously an impact player. Michael Carter is in a great situation with the Jets. Travis Etienne is in a situation with the Jags where he could find himself in a role too. And Javante Williams in the Broncos, I think he should probably end up becoming, you know, their number one guy. So I'd say there's about four running backs there. And then wide receivers, you know, Jamar Chase, he's going to be an awesome fantasy asset this year. Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, are, they might be kind of underwhelming because they're not going to necessarily great passers, but they got some you know chances at finding some success. Rashad Bateman in Baltimore, we'll see. Uh, obviously, it's not been an, an awesome passing attack there, but you get a receiver that's kind of more built for what uh, Lamar is looking for, so maybe they find some success there. And then you got some guys, you know, later on, Amon Ross St. Brown to the Lions, just open targets. Terrace Marshall's got talent. Uh, you know, the receivers, it's a little bit harder for me to guess, but I, I'm, there's a, probably a good amount. I, would, I mean, at least five, I would say. Yeah, I agree, Chase. Um, I just, I kind of wanted to hit on the fact that uh, being in the Dynasty League, of course, and both being owners of pretty high first round picks, we were hoping this draft class was just going to be a slam dunk and we were going to get some absolute superstars year one. We get that with Najee Harris, Kyle Pitts, uh, Jamar Chase, some of the quarterbacks for sure. But we talked about how it just seems like every fantasy player that we've been looking at, we've been targeting, just went to a bad situation. I mean, Etienne and Williams, they're going to have a fantasy impact for sure. Will it be a great one, one worth a top five pick in a dynasty league? I don't necessarily know. I, I think in a dynasty league, if you want to play for the future, sure, take them top five. That's fine. Um, but then you look at players like Rashad Bateman, too, who goes to Baltimore when they just picked up Sammy Watkins. They have Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson isn't necessarily the greatest quarterback for fantasy wide receivers. So there was just a lot of situations in this draft class where we thought positions were going to be better. They, they still can have some fantasy value, but not as much as what we thought they could have. 
yeah, that, that, that that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, like there, there's still some guys that are going to find success, but there is probably at least like at least cut in half what we thought that could have been in, in terms of the right situations. Would you say it's fair? Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, it could even be more than just half. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's why I really wanted to you know, emphasize that at least half. I mean, like a guy like Kenny Gainwell, for example, you know, the Falcons, if they would have grabbed Kenny Gainwell, that dude is a legitimate contender for an RB1 as well because he's just going to see a ton of targets because he's a great receiving option. He can move all over the field, and he's still a good runner too. You know, even if you don't like his talent level, I know Mike doesn't necessarily love him. It would have been a tremendous situation. So it really just it doesn't make, make sense that they decided to pass him running back because Mike Davis sucks, and that would have been such a nice fit. That's just one good example. I mean, just think about teams that needed running backs. I mean, you, you've got Miami. They could use a running back instead of Miles Gaskin. you got the Falcons, like you just mentioned. You got the Bills, who Zach Moss and Devin Singletary don't really look like the answer. If you could have had Javante Williams and Travis Etienne go to one of those teams instead, oh. we wouldn't be talking like this about these players. Mike, if Javante Williams to the Bills and Travis Etienne to the Dolphins, I would guarantee myself a fantasy championship next year. Like, there were, there were so many better options for us fantasy players, but that wasn't the case. And, you know, that's okay because the NFL is a business. They got to worry about themselves, not about, you know, 20-year-olds playing fantasy football. But uh, Hey, it, we're 23. <laughs> but it, it is a little bit disappointing, for sure. Yeah, it is. Chase, let me get this from you. Right now, if you had to pick, this will be the last little part of the show. Right now, if you had to pick the top five uh, choices, the top five selections in a rookie dynasty draft for this year, what would you do? Najee Harris, Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts. Easy. Okay. There it is. Well, that's going to do it for the episode. We want to thank you all for coming out, listening to some of our draft reactions, a little bit of fantasy there at the end, a lot more fantasy upcoming. But I do have to say that I'm done with school and I kind of just want to enjoy life for a little bit. So the WNP podcast is going to be taking a little break. It's not going to be like three months or anything like that. A um, couple weeks here, maybe a month. Going to be just taking a little bit of a break, relax, um, enjoy my time off because in two weeks I start again back at school and then an internship as well. So just going to take a quick little break from the WNP podcast for just a little bit. If you're interested in still listening to our soothing voices, you can come check us out at the Bolts Broadcast. Um, that's our hockey show that we do, and we're going to be continuing to do that because, I mean, we're on contract, so we have to do that. But a uh, little break here from WNP, but a lot of good stuff coming, uh, fantasy stuff, uh, bold predictions, all kinds of good stuff coming before the upcoming season. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. But for now, we want to thank you for coming out and giving us a listen. If you could follow us at WNP Sports Pod on Twitter, you can stay up to date with us there. Uh, we'll let you know when we are coming back. If you're listening on YouTube, if you could give us a like, Give us a comment, hit the subscribe button, and make sure to ring the bell because YouTube will notify you when our new episodes drop. And then if you could, give us a five-star rating and a follow if you are listening on a podcast platform as well. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we're not professionals.